Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the MEC podcast that we like to call PyRep. Uh, my name is Desmond Jordan. I'm hosting today. And with me today to discuss uh, numerous issues, we have our MEC chair, Bern Lewell. Hello, everyone. How are you doing, Bern? Good. Also, our SPSC uh, chairperson, Christina Thompson. Hi, Des. And we also have with us today Ryan Lear, uh, former MEC chair at Encore and presently an FO on the 37 based out of Calgary. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. So as we're all very much aware, recently we filed for conciliation and that starts us uh, into that process. And there are numerous questions about that on the line. So our purpose today is to shed some light on some of those questions, possibly answer some of the hot button issues that have uh, come up and uh, just bring our pilot group along up to speed with that. Uh, having said that, uh, Ryan, you have some specific expertise on this process. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, while I was at Encore, I was a captain rep, an MEC vice chair, and MEC chair. I was a uh, MEC vice chair when we were negotiating the Encore's first collective agreement, at which point we also filed for conciliation and had a mediator assist us during that time. Uh, so that's kind of the uh, area of expertise I have in this. And then most recently, I was actually the vice president of administration and finance for Alpha Canada. And so take with that a lot of uh, government affairs expertise, which is uh, what the current WestJet uh, MEC has appointed me as their government affairs chair. So I've graciously accepted that role. I'm looking forward to uh, helping out our pilot group. Excellent. Just another example of our uh, depth of experience on this issue. So the notice of dispute has been filed, and now we're into conciliation. How did we actually end up here? And to shed some light on that, Bernard, I was wondering if you could just speak to that. Sure, absolutely. So as uh, most pilots know, we started negotiating uh, September 2nd of 2022. We've been at it for five months, and we've been uh, at the table every second week with the company. Uh, so far, we've managed to uh, get a tentative agreement on 10 of our, our articles, and that's out of 37. So we have about 27 articles that are still outstanding. Uh, and really, we've got uh, three, three issues that, uh, that we're dealing with that is pre preventing us from moving forward. Those are job protection, otherwise known as scope, compensation, and scheduling rules. So as long as those three things are outstanding and, and we're just too far apart from the company's position, uh, we, we, need, uh, we need some help. So that's why we have filed for the, uh, for the conciliation. Okay. Okay. You know, having said that, and it brings us to a point, what exactly is conciliation? Can we break that down for the layman pilot? What exactly is the conciliation process? Christina, could you uh, touch on that? Sure. So uh, notice of dispute was sent today, which is February 10th. And uh, the next people that will get involved are the Federal Mediation and Conciliation Service, who will, within the next 15 calendar days, appoint a conciliator to come and assist at the negotiating table. From the moment that that conciliator is appointed, this starts a 60-day conciliation period where negotiations can continue with the assistance of FMCS. From there, we go into what's known as the 21-day cooling-off period where negotiations can continue, but if at the end of that period we're still at an impasse, either party is able to file for labor action, in which case the union can 
choose to possibly strike or take labor action and or the company could choose to lock us out. You spoke about uh, a mediator and the conciliation process. Could, could you possibly touch on what the differences is between a mediator or a conciliator? Ryan? The, a mediator and a conciliator, in essence, are the same thing. Now, within the Canada Labour Code, they talk about a conciliation process of 60 days. So after this 15 days that Christina just spoke on, when a conciliator is going to be assigned to us, we'll now have a 60-day period where that conciliator will assist us, and they just refer to them as a conciliator. And then at that point, we have a 21-day cooling-off period where they kind of turn from a conciliator to, in quote, a mediator. Now that still has to actually be agreed to by both parties, and the government then can still appoint that mediator to assist for the whole 81-day period. But in essence, if other party doesn't think it's working or doesn't want to deal with that, then they don't have to agree to continue to have the discussions past the 60 days. Okay, good to know, good information. Uh, another question that we have been asked, or people have been wondering is, now that we're in this process of, consoli uh, of conciliation and mediation will at some point in the future be taking place, how often will the parties be meeting? That's a question that still has to be determined. Basically, the conciliator will get together and, uh, with us and they will come up with the schedule. We anticipate, uh, we anticipate meeting every week, but uh, that may change according to uh, how the conciliator sets up the, uh, the schedule. Okay. Here's another question we get, and this is an important one. Is this arbitration? No, absolutely not. This is not arbitration. Excellent. So, Ryan, you already touched on what mediation and conciliation actually is. I was wondering if you could expand a little bit more on what the, what the powers of the mediator might actually be. In essence, the power of the mediator literally is just to try and help both parties get past an impasse. Uh, nothing they do or say is binding. Usually they have a lot of experience within the labor field, uh, whether that be within uh, aviation or other fields, uh, you know, especially most recently everyone knows about the postal issues and uh, some, you know, the train issues that we've been having uh, along those fields. The mediator in and of itself, though, can't force a company or the, uh, you know, our negotiating side one way or another. They'll give their recommendations. They'll kind of maybe nudge aside if they kind of see that one side's kind of digging in their heels and not properly, you know, being fair at the table. And that's kind of the point of it is to bring those, you know, a, a clear set, a third person, so to speak, third person set of eyes to come in and actually go ahead and go, hey, you know, you're kind of, you know, not, not, playing fair here and same thing like that could be directed towards the pilots and that could be directed towards the company right so you know we might be holding out for something and they're going to come in and go no this isn't you know industry you know a standard or they might go to the company and go you know what? you actually are far behind where the industry is so this is where we think a mediator is going to be able to help us excellent so just to be clear again this is not arbitration no this is not arbitration a mediator has no power to arbitrate anything for our pilot group excellent thanks for that so, Bern, on the point of arbitration, is there anything further that you'd like to add? Yeah, thanks, Des. Uh, absolutely. It is the commitment of this MEC that we will not willingly go into arbitration for CA2. Okay. So, Ryan, with regards to the conciliation process, what type of a time frame are we dealing with here? So as Christina has already touched on the timeframes that's stated in the Canada Labour Code, which is 15 days for the appointing from the government, a 60-day conciliation period, 21-day cooling-off period, at which point then after that you can do 
any type of labor action on both sides, whether that's a company or the association. But that's all fluid, as in the, uh, the government has up to 15 days to file a conciliator. They can make that shorter if they you know, decide that tomorrow that the conciliator has been you know, appointed and all of a sudden that starts our conciliation if we can get to that point. Can they make that longer or is the 15 days a hard stop? The 15 days is a hard stop. Now coming to the 60 days, the 60 day period actually can be extended. So if our negotiations team feels that they're actually making good progress with this conciliator and that we're actually getting somewhere and we think that maybe we can extend it further than 60 days, it can be mutually extended past that point. The 21 day period though, however, is always a period of cooling off because it's supposed to hopefully keep you have level heads before the labor action happens. So Bernd, building on the idea of how we got here, what is it that you think we're trying to accomplish these negotiations? Uh, okay, Des, I mentioned it earlier and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll circle back to that, but there's three big parts of this contract that we feel we need for the pilots to get a, a, an agreement that our pilots can, can uh, live with over the next, ex, uh, next number of years. So the first part is scope. Again, that's equal pay for equal work. So this idea of having three 737 operators under the same WestJet group of companies, it doesn't work for us. So that's, that's a line in the sand. We've stated that already. And, and that, uh, that is uh, one of the three things that we're looking for, looking for in this contract. The second is compensation. We're looking for an industry standard co uh, contract within North America as far as pay, pay goes. And the third, scheduling. Our pilots need more flexibility. We all know how difficult this is on our families to be away as, as, as much as we are. We need flexibility for our pilots to be there for their families for the, uh, the special events in their lives. Uh, so we're trying to, trying to uh, develop a good work-life balance here. Really, this is, this is a contract that we, we would like to say is about lifestyle. Okay. Looking for a respectable contract that shows respect for our pilots, for sure. So, Christina, now that we're actually in this conciliation process, how should we, as uh, line pilots, be conducting ourselves? Exactly as we always have, as the professional airline pilots that we are. Nothing changes for us at all on a day-to-day -day basis when we're going to work and doing our jobs. And uh, stand by and wait to hear more from your MEC and negotiating committee as everything unfolds in the coming weeks and months. This must be a very busy time for you. Tell us about some of the things that are going on in your world. Sure. So, yes, it is a very busy time for us. Uh, we've had a lot of support from our colleagues at Alpin National uh, who are helping us to prepare for all eventualities. But notably, what's most important for the pilots in the coming weeks, I think, is that we have planned numerous unity events and family awareness events, including uh, the first ever Spouses Night where we're inviting the spouses out to speak to some of their elected reps to get informed and up to date on everything that's going on with negotiations and what to prepare for. So please read your fast reads and come out to any and all events that you possibly can and stay up to date on what's happening in negotiations. So and just to follow up with that, Christine, I think it's really important over the next couple months, we're going to have rumors flying and a lot of misinformation out there. I think it's really important that our pilots get their information from the source. And the source is the union. So that's the fast read. Sign up for the Telegram, guys. We've got a thousand people on that right now. We need 17, 750 more people to sign up for that. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us 
uh, on LinkedIn. And, uh, and if you have any questions, file a dart, ask your reps, uh, get it from the source, don't get it from the other, other uh, misinformation sources that may be out there. That's, uh, that's all I can add to that, uh, Christina. Thank yeah, you. That's a very good point. Thanks, Bernie. Yeah, and further to that, Bernie, um, you know, if you're looking for information, look for the P2P group out there. They have the red lanyards, the red baggage tags. There's somebody you can speak to face-to-face. -to -face. We will be having coffee chats on the concourse, uh, making them more accessible, more points for our rank-and-file pilots to be able to get information from uh, our association. But, hey, you know what? Another thing that the pods can do to show support, wear your ALPA lanyard. Where are the Alpa pins? Show that support for all of the members who are working to make this a better place to be and working to get us an industry standard agreement. Okay, well, it looks like we're coming to the end of our time here today. I just want to say a, a thank you again to our MEC Chair uh, Bern Lewell, our SPSC Chair Christina Thompson, and also our Governmental Affairs Chair Ryan Lear for coming today and providing us with some information. Uh, to all of our pilots out there, I would say this is uh, only one of our installments of our PyRep podcast. Uh, stand by for many more of those. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to, to tune in and get informed. So remember, wear the lanyard, show the support, and keep informed. Until the next time, thank you very much.